0: And on today's show, we talk to someone who's created this amazing, it's almost like a a cross between a a gadget and a toy that really helps uh, children with special needs on the autistic spectrum and also adults as well. It's fantastically simple and it's amazing. And also about his life as an educator and uh, someone who's passionate about helping children with spe- and their families with special needs. Um, just a couple of things. You might hear a bit of noise in the background. Uh, yet another dog. <laughs> Parker's dog playing with um, a bone, I think. So uh, there's a picture of uh, the dog. I can't remember his name, actually. Who's on the website. And also, uh, there is a phrase that Parker uses. He worked with some uh, British people at some point. As a phrase that he uses, which I'm not sure Americans use, I'm sure it's a typically British phrase. So uh, see if you can spot it. I'm not going to mention it on the podcast. What I'll do is I'll post what it is on my Instagram feed, Detroit from Across the Pond, uh, later in the week, possibly on about, say, Thursday, something like that, and you can check that out. And finally, um, if you want to follow me there on Instagram, that would be great. Um, also, if you are able just to um, tell a friend about this podcast, that would be brilliant. Thank you very much. Enjoy my guest today, who's someone uh, who has, uh, he studied in uh, New York, uh, New York University, and he's got double masters in education and special educational needs, uh, in early childhood education, that is. He's also been a teacher. He's now a sort of an inventor, uh, entrepreneur, um, but also he does a lot of other work with um, children, families, or families with children with special needs. So today's guest is, and I'm really pleased to welcome him. And We've just been having a nice chat before we started formally talking is parker lynch so parker welcome to the podcast
1: thank you andrew thanks so much for having me here
0: so so parker can i ask so this is actually the last so this is season two and this is the last podcast i'm recording of 2020 so can i ask you given the year it's been how has your 2020 been oh my quite <laughs> a loaded question there <laughs> it is uh, <laughs> yeah
1: my, my 2020 is um been quite interesting uh yeah starting a business in a pandemic, uh, has been, you know, for a first time entrepreneur, you know, I've been a teacher for the last 10 years. So it's hard enough to start a business. I, I would say like in, in normal times, whatever that means, but 2020 has presented a lot of challenges, uh, especially with fundraising and, you know, with the contentious election we had as what well, you know, just the, the uncertainty globally. It's been interesting, but, but at, at the same time, you know, I've I feel lucky to have uh, the Hedgehog as a company to focus on. It's taken away a lot of the other distractions and let me really kind of focus in on something meaningful to me that I've been really wanting to do this for the past five years. So it's it's given me, you know, everyone's saying, you know, we have a lot of free time. This has been the busiest year really of my life easily (laughs) Uh, yeah it's been nonstop for me so although you know 2020 has not been you know obviously COVID is, is uh it's been a tragedy I have had some free time personally to just really focus in on what I'm doing.
0: Parker are you from given that you studied over in New York are you from Detroit originally? Uh yes so um was uh Grew up
1: in, in Birmingham, Michigan, which is uh, in metropolitan, uh, metro Detroit. I have been drawn back here. You know, I've, I've had quite an interesting journey. I've been away for a while, and then I came back. Um, always come back for holidays, of course. Uh, and as a teacher, you have summers off. So, uh, in my opinion, there's nowhere better to be in, in summertime than Michigan. It's a great chance to, to reconnect with my family. And... We have, you know, lakes all around Michigan, as I'm sure you're familiar with. So went away to undergrad at Indiana University. And then after Indiana University, got a job behind a computer doing search engine optimization, uh, basically trying to get uh, companies ranked higher on the Internet when you when you type in keywords. It was not fun being behind a computer all day. Uh, didn't love that. So um, I ended up researching. My mom has always said she's always wanted me to, to be a teacher. So ended up moving to Thailand on, on a whim. Uh, and I oh. taught in Thailand for two years. I taught kindergarten at an international school with no yeah. experience. And
0: had you- Oh no, experience. So you had, you hadn't trained to be a teacher at that point. You I
1: had not. I just had the confidence of my mom telling me I should be one. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So I, somehow I was I was hired, and uh, I don't. I, I think it was actually a mistake that uh, the principal admitted that she like misread my resume, and I. I you know, undergrad, I was an English major. So she said, uh, she was like, Oh, I misread it. I thought you said, I thought it said education. I I was hired again for another year. So I must've done something right. But you know, it was a real learning experience and there's no better way to learn to teach in my opinion than to actually be in the classroom, kind of, you know, get your feet wet right away. And that's what happened. I, I had some visa issues. I ended up getting there pretty much right before I think a day before the uh, school year started so I really like I was new to I've never been to Asia before um very jet-lagged and uh I had my first day with uh with 20 20 kids in my class from all over the globe and it was you know it was it was a great experience it was the best I guess learning experience teaching experience I've had I would say so how old were the kids they were about uh, five years old six years
0: old and this was like an international school then
1: Correct. So, uh, so my students were from, you know, I had Thai students, Japanese, Chinese, uh, Korean, Indian, Sri Lankan, very wide swath of students, no uh, native English speaking students
0: given that you were probably relatively young and you hadn't had any teaching experience where on earth did you start developing a <laughs> curriculum from scratch and probably you know, forgive me I might be wrong but I guess
1: right uh, that was the challenge uh, luckily I was blessed with some really great co-workers a very diverse group of people I was I was the only American teacher there there were there were, there were actually a handful of teachers from England and they, they were great with mentoring me like it was kind of an open door policy i could walk in and see how um see what type of learning games that the the school is very big on um gamifying learning which Hmm. kind of led to what i believe in with hedgehog is hiding the candy in the in the salad so to speak right so (laughs) (laughs) so the student is learning without really knowing they're learning you know and, and and i was the only actually there were I was one of two male teachers at the school. the other male teacher being from Iran, and he ended up being quite a mentor for me. Um, he you know really took me under his wing, let me come into his classroom to observe during my off periods, and that's how I really learned i you know I learned that way and I learned by my own games. I think we were we received about two hundred bot uh, to for the for the entire school year to get school supplies so that doesn't equate to, to many U.S. dollars. I'm not sure of the conversion rate nowadays, but back then it was not not much. I think around like twenty dollars or so. <laughs> so um, had, had to uh, really get creative and, and make a lot of games myself, and uh, a, a lot of competitive games too, where it, you know the whole the whole class was kind of getting them involved, getting them out of their seats, getting them really excited about. Winning this game, but you know, obviously, these games involved academic components, right? So, I created this one game called Go Fish where the kids. I, I created little fishing poles with magnets on them, and um, the math problems were on the ground, laminated with another magnet, so they would. Uh, all the kids were chanting, "Go fish, go fish," and, the, and it was the <laughs> of a race. So they would have to read the math math fact and get it correct, and then next in line, and we would see, you know. Who would win so that's just an example of one of the many games that we uh created there and it was it was a great experience loved it
0: so you so you were inventing and creating even then you know which will come on to like now but what was it that um what was it that told your mom that you'd be a good teacher is she a teacher uh my mom no uh, she's
1: never been a teacher but uh i think the reason she thought this way is um is actually a funny story It's from, from you swimming. Um, I've always, uh, I was kind of forced into swimming swim team when I was a young age. Um, and I would kind of like to take the younger kids under my wing and, um, ended up being team captain when I was older. And I, I always kind of, I, I tried to be a leader. I tried to be a good role model. And I think she saw that and, Really was an advocate for me being a teacher. I think she saw kind of like how miserable I was being behind a computer twenty four seven It's just not my um not my cup of tea. so you know she was really pushing for that and i I'm glad she did because it kind of led me down the path where. I am right now.
0: Yeah, parents often have a good idea, don't they, about what would <laughs> <I guess. laughs> well, we might moan about them when we're younger.
1: <laughs> exactly. Uh, I, I realized I should listen to my mother more often than I had previously been listening.
0: To. <laughs> I'm guessing you're in Bangkok in Thailand, <laughs> so you got all sorts of people in there. So yeah, Thai food is great, and it's sort of on my list of places to go. So uh,
1: I strongly recommend it. It, it was a, such an incredible experience. Um, while I was while I was there, actually, I, um, this is kind of a funny funny story. Um, I, I through Facebook, I I, I kind of announced on Facebook, "Hey, I'm moving in two weeks to Thailand." And everyone's like, "What? Like for real? Is this a joke?" Uh, and, and, <laughs> and some of my friends were like, "Oh, we should you should meet the, the, this girl, Aubrey Hang." Um, I ended up um, messaging her and uh, basically. I, she was great. I entered. She was like, "Oh, I want to show you around." And um, she actually is from Michigan, so uh, and and was doing the same thing that I was doing out there. She was a, a teacher at an international school, so um, ended up meeting her, and um, we actually dated the two years I was living there, and ended up. Um, she she would kind of like try to get us enrolled in any competition that she could get us in that she was big on competitions and and (laughs) so uh, one time we actually ended up uh we had to make a one minute video um we ended up being it was for this competition called ultimate thailand explorer Uh, i think we we were against 500 other teams ended up making it to the final five, our, our final, our each team had to pick a destination. This whole, um, this was all put on by the Thailand authority of tourism, um, and had a substantial cash prize and a bunch of other really cool things attached to it. Um, and Chiang Mai was the destination that we chose. So we got to spend a lot of time in Chiang Mai and kind of had a, a little wish list of, you know, got to meet the baby panda there. very <laughs> <laughs> <At> the time. <laughs> got, got to you know, go skydiving, sky all sorts of wild things. And uh, we ended up winning this competition, which was a really, oh, wow. cool thing. yeah. Cause it allowed us to really, to go, to kind of be ambassadors for Thailand for a year. Um, and oh. yeah. And it was During the the, you know they had a civil war while we were there, um, the red shirts versus the yellow shirts. But
0: yeah,
1: uh, just kind of and really, I never felt in danger once when I lived there. Uh, It was more of a Thai thing. Like they, um, Mm. uh, it's just the, the the Thai people are so nice and we we wanted to encourage people that still you know safe to come out to thailand even though you're you may be hearing on the national news that this is uh, there, there's quite a bit of strife there um it was just unstable at the time but uh, such a good place to live and I, I have such fond memories i'd love to go
0: so you went from thailand did you go back straight to back to michigan or did you go somewhere else Uh yes, I went I I
1: really missed my family. So that was really the reason why after two years of teaching there, I um I I did a little bit of backpacking actually before I I came back to Michigan because I was like, I'm already out here, might as well take advantage (laughs) of it. So stay in some hostels and kinda did it on a shoestring budget. And then yeah, I came back, lived with the parents for just a little bit, as much as I could tolerate. And then, and then I, uh, at, at that point, I, at that point, I realized that I wanted to be a teacher. So um, I got into NYU and uh, then moved out, moved to New York City where I never thought I would ever uh, end up. And actually, I loved New York City. It, it was such a great place, such a great choice for me, and uh, perfect for that time in my life as well. So
0: and different i guess not having been to new york different to detroit i guess yeah very very (laughs) much
1: (laughs) yes Uh, whereas detroit is a very i guess car centric city Mm. and uh, the surrounding areas as well i mean you you really have to have a car for transportation around here in in new york you could just walk down the street you could Get, you know go to a bodega you can uh, get all your grocery sh- shopping done and down the block essentially and have tons of great restaurants i think that da- like downtown detroit has has recently kind of become more like that there are starting to be markets that are popping up i know for a while there the are very few grocery stores in you in uh, detroit so
0: mm-hmm.
1: it, you know uh, detroit is a very distinctly different city um but yeah, not, yeah, I would say that not too many similarities between the two, but <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of misbeganders in Detroit. So that um, that was kind of nice. It made me feel a little bit uh, a little bit at home being away from home because, yeah. you know, you see all those Detroit Tigers hats. And I don't know. I, I actually I also run a nonprofit called Porn and Raise Detroit Foundation, and we have events kind of all over the U.S. And our biggest event that we've ever thrown is New York City, ironically, so even bigger know. than events. Which you know, now, just I must ch- admit,
0: my research didn't throw that nugget up, so I'll need to ask you about <laughs> that as well. So, so, you, so what took you into particularly sort of early years special needs? What was it? Because obviously, you'd had that experience over in Thailand, but was it that that sort of forged what you wanted to do? Uh, Yes, that, um, you know,
1: it is a, well, at at the time, so I was in Thailand, uh, 2007 through 2009. And, uh, and I don't know how, how, basically how special education is right now in Thailand, but at the time it was kind of a taboo thing to bring up. Mm. Um, and I certainly had some students that probably I I would say were on the spectrum um or, or so when needed, you
0: say so when you say spectrum you know if someone's listening to this might not know what it is what what do you mean by that good point uh yeah so i
1: i mean uh, like the autism spectrum so, okay or, or you know and i i'm in no way um ship or form able to diagnose these things but mm. just having looking back at it after being at NYU and learning about special education, and, and you know, working with special needs children. Mm-hmm. Now, looking back, I'm like, I, I, I kind of know what certain things look like, and uh, yeah. So, so that that's really what I wanted to be able to teach every single student in, in my classroom. Whether you know, everyone learns differently. I'm like, I learned differently than you. I'm sure mm-hmm. you, yeah. Uh, Every, every person learns differently. I wanted to have the kind of like the toolbox, if, if you will, to be able to walk into a classroom and be able to connect in some way with or provide an avenue of learning for each student, regardless of how they learn.
0: So you were doing that, you were studying in, in New York. And did you carry on there? Did you work there afterwards? Or did you then move back to, to Michigan?
1: Um, So I ended up getting a job at
0: a prep school
1: in uh, Greenwich, Connecticut, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Fresh out of uh, grad school. And I worked there for two years and kind of all my friends were still in New York. My brother actually lived in New York. So I found myself on the weekends going back to see them and then taking the train back again. Um, After that, I uh, actually wanted to come back to the city Uh, you know, I was working in a fairly wealthy prep school and I I wanted to come back and make kind of, you know, you're making a difference wherever you're teaching, but I, Mm -hmm. I wanted to help kind of, um, you know, I want to come back to Detroit and use, use my talents with, with kids who may not have um, teachers with my background. Um, So came back and I, I found a, I was hired by this uh, a, a charter school, which doesn't exist anymore, unfortunately. Um, mm-hmm. And it was it was a tough situation. I lasted about five days. I'm not going to lie.
0: <laughs> it was. Uh... So, so what's a char- What's a charter school? It's, so what is one? Because that's not a term I'm familiar with here in the UK. So
1: a charter school is. Um, an, an you know, I don't know how I'm not sure if they're in every state in the U.S., but it is a, a fairly common thing in the U.S. It's um, basically it's, it's funded by a company uh, mm-hmm. and basically it's, it's another option for a parent. So if, mm-hmm. if, you, if you're in a school district that's not so fantastic, you can you can opt to send your child to a, a charter school. Um, and usually it's lottery based. They kind of like pick the name out of a hat, okay. so, so to speak. Yeah. And um, yeah, they and they kind of have, um, you know, the, the they have different guidelines that they're a little, I think more independent, have a little more freedom. Um, again, I only worked at one for. Five days, so I don't have a wealth of
0: experience to, to drop on there. But, but yeah, is there I, is there a story in there as to why five days? That's yeah, a pretty so, rapid turnaround. <laughs> yes, yeah, so there's a story there.
1: I, I, um, they needed a science teacher, and I had a, a bit of a science background from my last stop. I was kind of uh, put it, in an emergency situation, had to be the science teacher due to a, a health situation with the former teacher there um and yeah so i basically uh, i I was the third science teacher that they had hired in three weeks um and so that's not not a good sign (laughs) and uh and yeah my first day i walked in the classroom and um you know i I love to do hands-on things as we kind of mentioned before i love to gamify and and in and, and science I would love experiments right and experiments require a lot of prep time to just get everything ready and I heard about the I was told that you know there were going to be 40 children in this class each class each period we we'll have 40 and 40, I
0: would 40, 40, it yes. Wow
1: when, and I was the only adult so it was just like you know it really kind of just like heart-wrenching to be quite honest mm-hmm. with you um i i'm not a loud guy that's not my style of teaching um they uh, the, the administration of this particular school wanted me to be louder raise my voice at kids that's just not for me that's not going to happen it wasn't a fit and i saw right away um and and, and then also i had five minutes in between classes and it, and it was stacked like I would have like five classes like 45 minutes long and trying to trying to prep for that and then clean up the mess in five minutes and then you have a whole influx of 40 more kids coming in and you're, you're again you're the only adult in the room it's a really tricky thing and yeah I had one day I think it was my first day where there were three periods in a row or three accidents happened in the classroom like just bodily function accidents and i didn't know where the janitor was i, was, I had to run out in the hallway yell down the hall hey we need to help clean it up here and it was just uh it was, it's it was almost like a- it was set up to fail i mean you, exactly you could, you know, who can manage that Exactly. And that's why, I mean, some of these charter schools are fantastic and, and just like, just like companies, right? So some companies last because they're run well, some are run poorly and they just, they fade away. They don't, they don't succeed. So yeah, that, that one no longer exists, but. It was it was an experience for sure. So <laughs> that's one way of putting it. Yeah. yeah. So
0: so did you did you go from there? Did you find a niche at some point in terms of because clearly just I, having met some teachers and and see them like sometimes when you you're in a school hall and it's a wedding or something like that and there's loads of little kids running around crazily and then if it's a teacher there or teachers they're just brilliant sometimes at like getting the kids organised to do something and I'm stood there in awe looking at this and these, like these kids hanging on there everywhere. And I just, it's a remarkable skill, which clearly it sounds like you have from what your description of what you were doing in Thailand.
1: I would like to think that I, I, I think I'm pretty good at that. Um, I, 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 feel like I'm kind of a big kid. Um, and I know what they're like. <laughs> <I know.
0: laughs> right. That sounds good. I like it. Yeah. yeah.
1: And, and, you know, again, I like to gamify education, uh, you know, put, put that candy in the salad. Right. So, um, I feel like I'm good at that and, and getting kids attention, um, kind of, you know, I'm able to stay on task of the curriculum and make it more fun. Like I, am not the type that is going to sit down and read a book to a group of kids and that's my lesson. Right. So, um, yeah, I did find my, my niche. Um, I, you know, after that, I, after that short period, I really focused you know, pretty much for me, the school year was lost. Cause we were already, you know, all the schools had already hired people in the Detroit area. And I, I was like, this is an opportunity for me to really kind of focus more on developing my patent and also working on born and raised Detroit and kind of making that a bigger thing. So I focused on those two things, which, you know, neither of which, uh, Yielded any money, so that that was a problem. Uh, so then I quickly, I, I started looking for schools, um, and I was actually contacted by a school in uh, Austin, Texas, for dyslexic children, and that's where I went next. And um, they were kind of like, they were like, you know, what would you like to teach? And I said, yeah, history would be fun. Uh, I've never taught that before. I've always been interested in history, so. Uh, 1500 1600 world history for fourth graders that's what i taught oh wow that sounds amazing yeah yeah it was it was quite (laughs) an interesting experience i um i enjoyed it uh again like i that curriculum kind of uh, revolved around a book that is um very common in texas and i'm forgetting the the name will come to me in a second, but, uh, but I, I think it's called like the history of the world. Um, and it was, it's kind of written in novel form Okay. Uh, for, I guess, like uh, to resonate more with kids, I would say. Um, but, you know, the, the book itself was actually surprisingly, I, I found it to be pretty well written. Um, but again, I was not going to sit and just read that. So I kind of departed from, I, I would I would get through my things, like the things I had to do. And then I'd say, all right, we're going to do some, some activity that strays from the book a bit here. Um, and yeah, I would say after those two years, or yeah, after those two years, I, I kind of decided like uh, part of my issue with education in the U S is, and I think you'll get this from a lot of teachers. It's just the bureaucracy and red tape. Um, there's a lot of it. And again, I, I never felt the freedom that I felt in Thailand of like, this is my classroom. This is kind of my domain. Um, I'm going to hit all these spots. I'm going to hit all these like mm-hmm. milestones. My, my students are going to be able to excel and exceed the milestones, but I kind of want to do it in my own way. Um, and I think it's hard to force force something on someone uh, because, again, everyone learns the same way. I would say every teacher teaches in a different – I'm sorry. Everyone learns in a different way. Yeah. Every teacher teaches in a different way, I would say.
0: Uh, yeah, same so- so you you so you've gone from Austin, uh, which you know is a I can imagine is a good place to be. So so you mentioned earlier just a little while ago a, a patent you were talking about so is is that the Hoglet? I think you mentioned patent. I may have misheard. Yes, um, yes. So about three and a half years ago,
1: our patent process is slow in the U.S. Mm. Uh, again, bureaucracy, right? So uh, a lot of red tape. Um, it's about three and a half years ago. I, I applied for a U.S. patent, and um, this patent the idea came from one day in a particular school. Uh, I, I, was, I was kind of shadowing a, a student, like help you know, helping out a student who needed a little bit of extra help, mm-hmm. and this student needed a fidget. At all times to kind of calm him right so he had this little ball that had nubs on it that he would play around with and it would allow him to focus at the topic at hand one day i observed that you know it was time to go to the computer lab and he was not allowed to bring the toy they called it a toy into Mm -hmm. the computer classroom or the computer lab so he had a meltdown and for various reasons, probably and I think it would have been uh, alleviated if he had that fidget. So that's kind of like what led me down the path. I was like, my, my initial thought was let me go on Amazon and, and buy him a fidget mouse. There's gotta be one like tons of them on Amazon or <laughs> somewhere on the internet. Right. So I Googled yeah. it. Couldn't find anything of the sort, which I was shocked, shocked about. So it got me thinking and I was like, why does a mouse only go from the user to the computer? There's just a one way communication, right? And then some, and then you're manipulating what's on the screen. Why doesn't the mouse go both ways? Like from the user to the computer, back to the user. And with my experience in grad school, we learned a lot about applied behavioral analysis, Mm -hmm. which we call in short ABA. Um, So I wanted this mouse. I was like, why can't the mouse have ABA functionality? So basically, um, uh, the shorthand of ABA is is rewarding po- positive behavior. So mm. giving a reward to a student who may be working on, a, on a, a, an assignment on a computer, let's say it's like a, um, a math web page, they're getting things correct. I wanted to give them some sort of a, a reward. So like um, so the, the thing I, the way I patented it was, uh, you know, I would have it vibrate. It would light up, make a noise, which gives a, a dopamine rush to the mm-hmm. brain. Right? It gives a positive rush, just as if you get a text message. It's proven that you get a dopamine rush. So, using that to, I wanted to use that factor to my advantage, to the students' advantage, ultimately, to, like to the teachers' advantage. So, um, I spoke to a mentor of mine who has invented quite a few things. He suggested that you know, I make it a five senses mouse. So I already have, so, so the tough ones were like, okay, taste and smell. I don't want the kid to be like eating the mouse. Not we <laughs> not to do this. So, um, so that, those were tricky. Um, the, the smell one, I, I kind of workshopped in my mind a bit and uh, ended up having uh, creating a drawing where on the undercarriage of the mouse, there would be a space for, for um, essential oils, such mm-hmm. as lavender, which is a calming scent. So that could be omitted occasionally to calm the student. And then uh, as far as the taste element, we have like a verbal agreement with the company to Bluetooth to their treat dispense. They have a treat dispensing machine. And so we get Bluetooth to that. So a kid could get a treat or user can get a treat when they get something correct. Wow. So, Yeah. So, um, that one is actually the the Hoglet is simply a tactile mouse. That's the one that we wanted. Number one, I wanted to prove that there's a need for this. So we went the Kickstarter route. I don't know if you're familiar with Kickstarter.
0: It's like a crowdfunding thing, isn't it? Yeah,
1: Yeah, exactly. So basically the theory is, you know, you set a monetary goal of what you think it will cost to manufacture and get this out to people. And you want to, hit that goal uh you have 30 days to do it so you oh, right. our-
0: Only 30- oh, you've got a of time well, limit then it's not like yes. open-ended oh yep you, you can
1: actually choose the time limit um i believe okay. you can go up to maybe even more than 60 days but we chose 30 days um mm. and we believe that we could get it done we so our goal was 65,000. um get 65,000 dollars worth of backing uh we surpassed that and Raised over seventy-one thousand, wow. and had one thousand two hundred backers.
0: It was it was a wild experience. Um, yeah, was, that's, that's that's amazing. That's amazing, Parker. That's brilliant. Yeah. And could could you describe for the listeners? Could you describe what this Hogler is? I mean, and this, yeah. this, the colors are amazing, aren't they? But could you describe what it looks like and how it would feel?
1: Yeah. so one of the another thing I noticed just thinking of uh, thinking about a normal computer lab I don't know if you can go there in your mind from my uh, youth I remember computer labs as being pretty drab right you, uh, everything's kind of beige uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe the computer's black maybe the keyboards black yeah. but like everything is kind of monotone and not so colorful everything is smooth if you think about it like the surfaces are all smooth. I have extreme ADHD. I don't know if you can tell, but I, I do. And I was actually diagnosed just a couple of years ago. So I kind of came at this with personal experience as well. And mm. I like to be fiddling around with something while I'm trying to focus. And uh, so so I wanted to change the conventional mouse and make it basically make it softer which is why it has a silicone body and it has little, we call it nubs. Some would call it like bristles. It looks really like a hedgehog, actually a hoglet. The the word hoglet is a term for a baby hedgehog. So, our company is called Hedgehog. Our first baby product, if you will, our, our first baby is the the hundred. So um,
0: yeah, and it looks brilliant. It really looks yeah, good with the, there's a lime color and a pink, and it does look great actually. And and I mean, I, I was even saw uh, on, I think it was with the Metro Times or something an article about uh, a, a somewhat a girl who was working with it, a young girl with her mom, I think, as yes. an example of how it worked.
1: Yes. Um, they, they've been incredible. Um, so, uh, Julia Dopkis and her daughter, Isabel, uh, that they, they're actually in my Kickstarter video, which was very well done, done by a filmmaker, Anzi Sawyer, very talented. Um, she came out from New York City and uh, ended up, kind of just hunkering down with two families using COVID protocol, which was tricky, you know, um, filming them from a distance. And everyone was masked up. We followed all the protocol. And she was just so great with the family. She made them feel really really at ease. I got great reports back from the families about her professionalism. And the video turned out to be incredible. And I actually, I met uh, Julia through, while I was kind of pitching the, the first idea of the uh, the hoglet and hedgehog as a company I went to the Autism Alliance of Michigan to pitch and uh, after my pitch I was offered a position there so um, they they offered me a consultant role and I worked exactly one event they had they threw an event for an autism based event with products and services for individuals with autism. I went to that event to represent them. Um, it was my first one ever. So I was very nervous and I, mm-hmm. I w- wanted to really like meet as many people as I mm-hmm. could. Cause at that point I was at really like an inter, um, information gathering stage. I, I walked up to Julia. She has a nonprofit herself called communication is key. AAC um, her daughter it, um, was nonverbal. And also on the spectrum, and has other diagnoses as well. Mm-hmm. So I walked up to that table and just started chatting, and kind of told her a little spiel about what hedgehog is. And I was like, "What do you do?" And she kind of explained. Um, you know, they provide communication boards for uh, individuals who are nonverbal, so they can they can point out and put a sentence together by pointing and there's also like educa- or there's also electronic products that do that as well you know, like talk boxes and things like that. So she does incredible work with that nonprofit and she was just su- she's been such a great ally to to have just to bounce ideas off of and she allowed us to to film Isabel and Isabel now has one of the I have about 12 prototypes and and with the families that we've filmed Um, I I let the, I let the children keep the, I wasn't about to take them away from them. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah, so uh, Julie informed me that this is the first time Isabel has ever used a mouse, right? She's been really averse to using a mouse, which makes sense. Mm -hmm. I mean, that really like one of the, one of the goals of the hoglet is to, when you get to that age where you have to stop using an iPad, which is around first grade. Uh, because usually schools in the U S at least they um, will try to transition you to these computer labs. Right. Um, and you have to be able to type, uh, you know, it's it's more convenient for typing out a paper and other things. The mouse, if you think about it is kind of, it's an appendage, right? So it's a kind of foreign entity. It's not atta- necessarily attached to the mouse. A lot of these things are wireless. Like yeah, the hogwood mm-hmm. itself is wireless. So it does take a little bit of learning and, Uh, you know um, motor skills and things to get used to but i according to to julia you know she she her daughter got the pink one super inviting looking and soft feels feels cool and you can fiddle with it um you can fidget with it so that's what she uses every day and um and that's just the prototype too so it doesn't feel as good as the actual hoglet the finished product will be so wow. isn't
0: that that. good feedback, isn't that brilliant? That's the best customer feedback you can get, isn't it? Really. So you
1: know, yeah, I I tell people that the most rewarding thing I've experienced is when um, kids that you know I I don't even know they don't know me I I see them open up the the box and they then their face lights up right this because this thing is just it's an inviting looking product um it it totally looks different it feels different um there's no stigma attached to this which i think is very important that was like the number one thing i wanted like and and i think we're lucky as a company because this doesn't exist at all you know so so we have kind of just a clear horizon here to define it however we want to. And I know like ever since we, I, I kind of came in with the lens of this product would be great for kids on the autism spectrum or kids with attention deficit mm-hmm. disorder. S- since then I've been kind of proven wrong to be quite honest with you. Like we, since we started this whole Kickstarter campaign and started advertising it, I've been approached with, by a lot of adults and a lot of neurotypical people who, Okay. Just like, I, Hey, I fidget at my desk. Like I stim, like, uh, do you know what stemming is?
0: No, no, I don't. I was uh, thinking stimming
1: I don't is like uh, common, well, it's common throughout, I, I guess a, a large swath of people, myself included. Like I, I'm one of those people who I'm kind of like, a leg mover i'll be bobbing my leg up and down when i'm trying to right, okay. focus right yeah. here. <laughs> or <laughs> something that so that is it was basically uh self-stimulation and it's hmm. a way that people who have high energy uh tend to focus like it helps them focus so hmm. yeah a lot of people are you know and and, and then people with arthritis like you know my uncle has bad arthritis he came over tried out one of these he's like oh my gosh i want this for my office and you know he's he's in the 70s so it's, it's a, we have a wide range of users oh right?
0: wow that's yeah. amazing because i remember i saw the video and um but it is a brilliant video by the way and i remember thinking that's so obvious why had no one thought of that before and like you say i would have imagined if you'd have asked me like, will there be something like this on somewhere like Amazon? I thought, oh yeah, there'd be loads of different types. So it is quite remarkable. No one's ever done it before. Hey,
1: I I, I agree. I was shocked. I think I'm I, I lucked into it really. Um, and yeah, I, I, I guess like you you, you never know. And I, I've I've had experiences like this before where I've had ideas, and this is the one I, I've had ideas, and then they've like been kind of made. And I'm sure you've had the same thing. I'm sure you've like thought of something. Oh, this is an awesome idea. This would be a great invention. This solves a problem. And I, in the past, I've had those uh, epiphanies and I just haven't done anything about it. I've been like too busy. I'll be like, I'll do that sometime later. But with this, this actual idea, and it just kind of being right in my lane of education, I was like this, I I can't pass this up and I have an opportunity here to, to do it. Like, you know, with re- really kicking it into high gear with the extra time during the pandemic because I wasn't doing events anymore with Autism Alliance mm. in Michigan, unfortunately, because, like, you know, we just couldn't... Yeah. We couldn't responsibly throw an event. Yeah, I, I had I had the time and just got going with it. So that's how... So can,
0: can, can people buy it now? Is it is it available to buy either in the States or anywhere else?
1: Anywhere, yeah. We'll ship anywhere. Um So our Kickstarter is finished, but we have... We have very like we have Kickstarter prices right now where everything is on sale um, and it is pre-order. So meaning um, it's actually being made right now. Uh, We chose a Michigan based manufacturing company and uh, it is being made right now. So we are expecting we are really hoping um, before the holidays to have it to, to people but unfortunately, like, the, the molding process, I'm learning all about – I'm a first-time manufacturer, and there's all sorts of things I'm learning about with silicone and the manufacturing process. There, there have been a couple of hiccups, and it's pushed our timeline back a bit. But we're expecting January, you know, which right, okay. I think is – you know, everything has been delayed because, like, the supply chain is kind of in shambles worldwide because yeah, of the virus. Yeah. So yeah, you know I, I yeah, I'm happy about it. I I just wanted to I want I I really want to get this to people who need it, um, mm. and when it comes to kids, like hopefully in time for like when they get back from holiday.
0: Yeah, that's so, it's fantastic. fantastic. And I asked you right at the beginning, how's your 2020 been? And in terms of the the Hogler, it's been remarkable and. To get, it, to get it for crowdfunded and then to get it to the manufacturing stage just to discover there's some things that need to be tweaked. I think in a global pandemic, that's pretty good to, in my book. That's amazing. That's yeah. amazing, Mark. It really is. <laughs> Thank you. you. Be, I'm sure you're very proud of it, actually. So really, really proud of it. I am proud of it. And, uh, you know, my, my
1: grandpa, so I'm carrying on a family tradition. My grandfather uh, was an inventor as well. Uh, so I'm really proud of that. He he went to U- university of michigan he played yeah. football there he uh, studied engineering and he created the no sag spring which is in it, it, you know is used in cars now and um oh, all right that, so the, it's, it's a special spring that he patented that doesn't catch on itself so i'm really and he also holds well, various he, he holds a ton of different patents he was a way smarter guy than I'll ever be, but but I, he's always <laughs> been kind of like, some, he's been someone who I've always looked up to, you know, you know my papa who is no longer with us, but uh, he, he was, you know, a total Renaissance man, uh, philanthropist and, uh, you know, played football like I did and never to his level, of course. And, and, you know, I'm just trying to, trying to carry on the family tradition and, um, and, I'm, yeah, I am proud. I'm, I'm very proud when I got that U.S. patent issuance. It's a huge. I, I had no idea what it, what it would be, to be honest with you. And it's like a 200-page book of just drawings and uh, th- things that I can't take credit for because a patent attorney did this all. There's no way I could have done this on on my own. So uh, it was just so cool to get that and and have the you know move past that step because it was waiting and checking in and a lot of paperwork but um really happy that that's all said and done
0: it's amazing so I was just thinking if you if there were some like you know there'll be many people who listen to this and and I can think of things myself and you also said there were things you've thought about in the past but you never pursued it if someone's got an interest or a passion or a desire uh, to do something or to make something what would your advice be to them you know because they think oh no it'll, i can never do it it'll nobody be interested
1: yeah, i mean that's a great question and my my response to that would be um you, you would you don't know until you try and i say you like if you really feel well n- number one for sure do do a plenty of research before you start and make sure mm-hmm. that this doesn't already exist uh and I spent weeks doing that because I I was just so sure that there must be something.
0: <laughs> uh, you know?
1: yeah. And then even, even then I was advised by my patent attorneys that there, there might be something that's, that, that is on the way to being patented, that mm-hmm. you know, we're not seeing it publicly because it's not patented yet. Maybe it's patent pending. So even then, you know, we got that all started, then they, they do a deep dive into discovery. But my advice would be, um, you don't even need it to, to go that far you can do like anybody can set up a kickstarter like, or or a crowd it doesn't have to be kickstarter it could be a different one like indiegogo there's a myriad of these programs where you really don't like all you need is an idea essentially mm-hmm. like that's the beauty of it and and people who believe in it and if you if you can really like if you have the passion behind what your product is right i i think that's the main thing you know if if i had invented some something different I guess that I that I wasn't so passionate about I don't know if I would have gotten you know if I would have been able to do a kickstarter and get it totally funded but since I'm like all all in on this like this is my life like I you know I want to do this the rest of my life and and keep making products um we're getting into telehealth services right now um mm. we're already in four different states providing telehealth services during this pandemic which I think is crucial that kids you know, across the spectrum, are getting services because they're they're really apt to falling behind right now. It's a it's a scary time to be to be a parent, to be a teacher, to be a student right now, or, or a kid in general. So yeah, I, we've come a long way, um, and we intend on going further. Like I, you know, I I actually want to next next step once we get the funding we need is create games that work in concert with this upcoming mouse we have in the pipeline. And, and that, that's really like, I, I can't wait for that stage because that's where I get to like bring out, put on my gamifying hat. Right. And, and, and
0: create some really
1: <laughs> funny games.
0: <laughs> that's fantastic. That's, I mean, it, it that is re- it is really amazing park. And actually, um, uh, do you know what? We haven't even got into, and we probably want in this this particular interview, the, all this born and raised Detroit, uh, which is like, so you, you're actually a really busy bee, I would say. I, uh, yeah. I am. I
1: have ADHD, so I, I'm always. <laughs>
0: <laughs> actually, because uh, you earlier on, you said, oh, maybe you could tell I've got ADHD. Well, um Not really. Now you've mentioned it, you may a teeny weeny bit fidgety, but you know it would to to the um, listeners. We can see this is an audio only podcast, but Park and I can see each other, and I can assure you, he's not bouncing off the walls or doing (laughs) anything else. He's he's sat pretty still, I'd say. I (laughs) know. I
1: I am as still as I can right now, but uh, (laughs) yeah, Um, I like to stay busy for sure. Uh, That's one thing I always have tried to do. Um, I've always Again, I I go back to my grandparents, not just my grandfather, my grandmother. They're big time philanthropists uh, in in Detroit and really supported the arts um, during some tough times in the city. And I've always looked up to to both of them and tried to try to kind of try to have the same values that they have and give back. You know, I realize I've been fortunate. I, I try to give back as much as I can to the city. So that's kind of been, you know, we, we're we 100% volunteer. We've been around since 2009. And we just have a great group of people who are really passionate about giving back to the to the city. Um, all 100% of our initiatives are in the city of Detroit, helping the youth of Detroit, because that's where, we believe we can make a difference. I think that is the key of Detroit moving forward. Is um, you know we we provide educational we, uh, we provide grants to educational initiatives in the city of Detroit and um, just doing it uh, as a side side hustle, really. You know, just yeah. trying to um, have events all over the U.S. and all those events. And we obviously we can't do that anymore with COVID. So we're getting creative. We're right now we're actually doing something called the Healthy Holiday Hustle. And that was created by a friend of mine named Erin Robinson Hutt. She uh, came up with this brilliant idea, I think about six years ago, where it's like an honor system thing. Every, uh, it, it starts the day of, it's it, it starts the day of thanksgiving and it goes until new year's eve you're supposed to work out 20 minutes a day it's honor system if you miss a day you you owe five dollars for missing that day to a charity so this year uh, she chose born and raised detroit and we you know we don't actually ta- we, we we will take in the money and we will just give 100 percent of it to figure skating in detroit which is a great nonprofit teaching young, young girls how to figure skate, giving them confidence mentors and uh, academic, a lot of academic help really using figure skating as the hook. So that's what we're currently doing right now with Born and Raised at this moment. But, you know, next, next month, it'll be something different, right? We, we're always kind of moving on looking for other worthy uh, candidates to, to, to give grants to and, it's been a really fun ride we never expected it to get this big it started as a single event and it's kind of mushroomed from there and gotten bigger and bigger and it's it's been it's it's a lot of work but it's also been really fun to see the results
0: well i tell you what parker you 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 put your effort into things and it sounds like things come out which is great so so look so someone comes to detroit and you can take them say one place where would you take them what would you do Uh, Andrew, that's because a tough really one. Mean. I know it's a mean yeah. question. Are you doing that to me? <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: well. Let's see. Take them to one place in Detroit. I, you know, I, I'm sure you've gotten this one before. So, but I, I still stand firm. I would take them to, uh, I would take them to Lafayette Coney Island and and serve up a Coney dog.
0: Oh right, okay. So, what's Lafayette Coney Island? What is that? Is that a place, an area, or? So there, the,
1: the story goes: there are two brothers and they're rivals, and they have
0: rivaling coney dogs. Do you, do you know what a coney dog is? Yeah. Well, I sort of do, but many of the listeners will have no idea uh, what it is.
1: Yeah, let me explain it really quickly, and I hope I'm doing justice to it. I may <laughs> miss the ingredient here or there, but uh, it is essentially, So it's a it's a kosher hot dog with casing. Okay, so it's got a snap to it. Mm-hmm. which is very satisfying. And uh it has uh it, it's a meat sauce base on poured on top of it uh with with uh with uh spices I would say uh a little bit of cinnamon I don't know the all the ingredients I've never actually created my own pony sauce I should sometime and it's in a in that bun and then you have um the way you ha- with everything on it just mustard no ketchup uh and onions on it and it is delicious. It that, and so yeah, these are these two brothers that have kind of rivaling. You either you're either a Lafayette person or you're an American person. That, that there's American Coney Island and Lafayette Coney Island, and they're literally right next to each other. So you have to choose one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there are a lot of debates that that occur in Detroit of which is the best. But I'm here to say Lafayette is is the best, clearly.
0: So so Parker, that's been brilliant. It's so good uh, to hear about that and all the amazing things that you're doing for for kids with special needs and kids on the autistic spectrum, but also it sounds like adults as well who are really gonna benefit from this and, and I find it really satisfying. So you, you've had a you've had a cracking two thousand and twenty, if you ask me. It's been amazing.
1: <laughs> yeah, I trying to make the best of it you know it's it's a weird year as we all know but uh yeah trying to make the most out of it make some uh lemonade out of these lemons and uh yeah just just keep myself busy so
0: yeah you've done and also I'm thinking if ever if you ever make me a salad or anything like that I, I'm expecting candy to be popping up in it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll use that expression twice. <laughs> <laughs> there,
1: yep, there will be a little piece of candy in there somewhere. You just gotta you gotta <laughs> eat that cell, You'll find it eventually, right?
0: <laughs> uh. <laughs> so oh, Parker that's been brilliant well thank you for listening again um, I really enjoyed that interview Parker's just brilliant he's got so much energy and he has a real passion for working with families who have a child with a special need and, and with the children themselves and also creating things that are really practical that are going to be really helpful for them I hope I think that came through in the show and also his pride in Detroit and he's just really good with people I mean it sounds fantastic and obviously this year has been tough because he probably like the rest of us in many places not really being able to see a lot of people at times Um I I hope you did enjoy it. There's a really good one coming this week. i really, really. It was a a more serious topic, let's say. That's going to be coming out on Friday. And I should finally say, for the keen, I don't know, keen-eyed amongst you, you should have this show should have come out on last Friday. But my main job, I work in a psychology practice um, in Salisbury here in England, and uh, specialise in child and adolescent work. And the number of referrals is mind-boggling as as a result of the, the pandemic. and and huge amounts of things so i've had to prioritize that i certainly did last week in terms of just managing the the flow um i take on what cases i want to but even so some are quite pressing given some of the things i work with and so you know the world isn't going to stop spinning because this particular podcast uh didn't come out on friday so if you were looking forward to it apologies but there you go you get two in one week because hopefully this one will come out on friday so look take care um stay safe and i look forward to um you tuning in next time bye